At Farmers Insurance, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. And we know that it can get a little weird when things just don't work together. That's why Farmers lets you bundle your home and auto insurance together. And doesn't that sound nice? Bundle with Farmers today and you could save an average of 20% too. Talk about music to your ears. Visit Farmers.com or call 1-800-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Reported 2018 nationwide average savings underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Hi, welcome back to Glee on the Rocks. Today we are talking about one episode, episode uh, one nine, Wheels. Uh, The summary, stolen as always from the Glee wiki, uh, is as follows. After the Glee club is denied a special handicapable bus (laughs) for Artie to go to sectionals, Will challenges the kids to experience life from a different point of view. Quinn and Finn struggle with financial problems as their doctor bills begin to pile up, so Puck steps in to try and help. At the same time, Sue accepts a student with Down syndrome into the Cheerios, leading Will to question her motives. Meanwhile, the Glee Club hosts its first diva off between Kurt and Rachel as they compete for a solo performance at sectionals. This episode aired November 11th, 2009, uh, after a three-week hiatus from the previous episode. It was directed by Paris Barclay, written by Ryan Murphy, and had 7.53 million U.S. viewers. Um, For our intros, because we're still doing those, I'm Emily. I'm Mandy. I am Mav. Hello. Yay! Um, Welcome back to that. Yeah. So, um, I guess we should really just get right to the point. It's taken nine episodes, but... But now it's time for Artie and Kevin. Yay! Yeah, every previous episode has really just been, like, backstory to get us to this point. It's all been leading up to now. Right now. And we're here for it. I I am loathe to quote the Murphy himself, but (laughs) is a turning point where we turn to Artie and to Kevin McHale. And we point, because because that's what actors do. Yes. Yeah. This is a uh, this is our Artie centric. Well, mostly, I guess he gets a good half of it, right? But it, we'll call it an Artie centric episode. Um, and I'm all about it. I actually like. I like this episode as far as Glee episodes go. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty good episode. Like there are multiple things about it I liked, which I'm not sure I could say about any previous episodes. There's usually a like slightly redeeming factor, but not multiple things that I'm actually on board with. Yeah, there was more than one thing to enjoy this time. <laughs> Which also meant that it kind of glossed over the things that you don't want to enjoy. You had more uh, meat to cover up the vegetables that nobody wants. That's definitely true, because even even the scenes that were just like slightly repetitive. Also, the lack of adults besides Sue in this episode was a big yeah. redeeming factor. Yes. Uh, both Terry and Emma were missing from this episode, and as much as 
as much as I like them at times, it was nice to cut their storylines out and actually focus on the club itself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, Shu still was an asshole and I still hated him, but yes, it was he, nice not to have as much of the of the adults who seem to be dragging down the entire uh, entire storyline, plotline. They are, because we got, yeah. you know, the we got different factions of the Glee Club trying to work problems out for themselves in a way. Whether or not they're doing it in the right way is part of the episode, but at least they're not just listening to some bland lesson from Shu or sometimes Emma and then regurgitating and, it at the end they're actually like trying to problem solve somewhat and we got the best adult Bert yes Bert. President Bert <laughs> yes absolutely uh, I, Bert I'm here for the episode that has that has Bert and and features Kevin McHale and gives Chris Colfer a a solo. So like, yeah. Missing this episode was uh, he who must not be named yet. Kevin got a solo. Chris got a solo. Half of a solo. Half of a solo. Yeah. You know. Half I'll take it. Bert showed up. Bert showed up twice. And Shu was okay, obviously so- wrong. Yeah. <laughs> As per the actual plot of the episode, his wrongness was a factor. And his... I kind of appreciate that. Yeah, his wrongness was a factor, and it was called out to him by different people. Uh, and the the young kids of the show were the ones to step up and do the right thing. And I, I, I'm curious, since they've not really hit that formula, and, and, and they do, as we know... Um, do that a few, uh, you know, in episodes later, um, and start to go back to that. If that's something that they were always going to be heading towards, or if maybe they realized something with this episode and how this felt, that it was like, ah, yeah, this works. Let's continue to do this. Or we were always going to be doing this. We were just getting here. You mean cutting the adults out? Cutting the adults out, but also having adults be wrong. Having the adults not, I mean, and there, I mean, we've had other episodes, I guess, where the adults were, were incorrect, mm-hmm. but um, it still feels like this one pushed, pushed the, the um, meaning or the, the lesson of the adults being, of, of Shu being wrong a little bit more than in other ones. Um, April, notwithstanding, huh. I think we can all agree we all knew what April was doing was, was not right, but yeah, I still felt like that previous episodes, they would always, um, will in particular was always allowed to get away with some of the stuff that he would do, even though, you know, it was like, no, you don't do that. That's inc- You don't, that's not how you teach children. That's not how you should be handling this situation, but we never really got the, by the way, yeah, don't do that. So I'm, I'm curious if that was, they were trying to be more overt with that. If that was an accident, if that's where they were decided to start going. I mean, I'm not giving them None that of much that. credit. I, I think the show completely lacked self-awareness about, like, moral plot lines. Unless that was the plot line that they thought of in the writer's room, then they were going to beat you over the head with it. Yeah. I mean, I think the focus I mean, I, on I, I, the kids I, this time is because it's about Artie, for the most part. That it... it springs up from him in a way that it would be really hard and i'm sure glee could have fucked it up more but 
it it would be a lot harder to put the focus on Shu when the issue at hand is so very obviously focused on an actual physical person. And kind of the Mm -hmm. same way with the Shu storyline, like, it's not a case of, like, adults wrong where kids are kind of getting it right, but it's it's a fact that in the situation with Sue and Shu, they had a point that Sue specifically needed to make, so Shu was kind of the scapegoat for it. Mm-hmm. More so than Shu being, like, a character who inherently, like, has bad opinions on things. Yeah, he was the setup for Sue's big reveal at the end. Yeah, I think, which... He does have bad opinions on things, but goes back to a point, and and I apologize as I don't know who made this point in previous podcasts, that um, essentially Glee just has no problem um, killing a character's characterization if it gets over whatever, you know, point another character wants to make at any given, you know, at any given moment. Like, Finn is very, you know, supportive of of uh, Kurt, except when they need somebody to not be. And then, fuck it, we'll have Finn be that character. And they'll just sacrifice it, his characterization for that. So, this kind of furthers that. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Yeah, it is a, a trick they like to pull out of the hat rather often. So I guess, you know, what we're talking about here is that the the a plot of this episode is Artie not being able to ride in the van to sectionals because of his wheelchair right mm-hmm. so do we think they tackled this storyline as well as they could or did they miss the boat because the first issue with it i mean and again yay Artie, yay kevin we'll come back to praising them to high heaven but the first issue is that they they did cast an able-bodied actor in a role that could have been filled by someone who was actually in a wheelchair, and they didn't. Yeah, and I think that was a misstep. Obviously, I love Kevin and Artie very much, but I mean, the role should have gone to someone with like a disability reflective of the character. I was wondering if anyone was going to bring that up. And then I was trying to decide if I was going to be the person that would be like, I love Kevin. Shouldn't have played that role. I am. Um, do I think if it was filmed today, would they hire Kevin? Yes, I damn well believe they would. Because I don't think we've got to the point with, um, you know, with, with actors with disabilities that we're actually hiring um, other than in token roles or with um, directors and 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 hiring producers that are are very uh, cognizant of of that, and I don't consider Murphy to be either one of them. So I don't think it would change. I think it would still be um, whether it was Kevin or somebody else. I still think it would be an able-bodied person. I think the um, outspoken criticism of it would be louder um, if my Wikipedia googling. Um, from the uh, reactions when this episode aired, there were there was some um, negativity from from fans and from uh, d- uh, communities with with uh, people with disabilities, you know, saying that it should have been an actor with an actual disability. And then there was a bunch of reviewers and bunch of like pop culture uh, pundits who were just like, "Come on, guys! At least we have you know a." 
a storyline that's that's a positive that's good and positive with somebody with a disability and it's sort of like so it's sort of like ah eh, shut up sit down so i don't i think that would be different but i do think um they still would hire an able-bodied person yeah i think whether or not they had kevin or any other able-bodied person at the very least they should have had somebody with a disability write the episode as they're going to be going to understand the frustration of being disadvantaged their entire life more than Ryan Murphy. <laughs> and I yeah. think that they could provide a much more nuanced uh, script. So at the bare minimum, they should have at least done that. And they didn't. Well, I just thought it was... I was thought it was interesting how they were trying to have a discussion about privilege, but putting everybody in wheelchairs somehow felt inappropriate or didn't feel quite right as a way to to show what Artie goes through on a a day to day basis and what obstacles he runs into and what what privilege he bumps up against as someone in a wheelchair. It, it felt very tone deaf. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially considering Sue makes the, I feel like, more valid point in the episode in how she treats Becky when she says she just wants to be treated like everyone else. Instead, Sue right. is like doing the opposite and making everyone else into a special circumstance. Right. And really highlighting to Artie that, what did he say? Like, we're going to be in these wheelchairs for three hours a day. Wouldn't mm-hmm. that just highlight to Artie that after those three hours are up, everybody else gets to stand up and walk away from the situation, and he doesn't? Yeah, and he doesn't, yeah. So, like, on... I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Shu tries to teach a lesson and fundamentally has no understanding of it and is more than a little insulted. I thought it would have been interesting, too, if we had seen background moments of Artie struggling. We, You know, we... We have him in the wheelchair and we know that that's an issue. You see him struggling with a choreography, but they have this comment. Someone says, maybe it's Puck or Finn. I don't remember. Someone has a comment about how they're so glad they're not going to have to carry him into the auditorium anymore. Yeah. Which is something we've never seen, which then to the audience, there was no sense that he couldn't easily get into the auditorium. Like if, if there had been any groundwork of, uh, of just seeing them carry which would have looked so awkward, but seeing them carry Artie into the auditorium and not make it a focus, but make it like a um, a breadcrumb towards this episode or seeing Artie with his dad in a in a van in the parking lot and using the, you know, the chairlift and all that. I think it would have helped lead up to this episode and not just suddenly been like, oh, right, we have a character in a wheelchair. We should talk about that. And it, it's a fundamental part of, of writing, um, I think one of the the first um, lessons you're taught is uh, show, don't tell. And I think that among all of the other issues that the writers have, it can almost fundamentally come down to this. They don't, I mean, they don't plan, they don't, they don't stick to characterization. They don't do a lot of other things, but also they, they, they tell, they never show you anything. They they tell you this is what happened. This is this is what happened on Glee, and and then this is the problem we're having. And it's, but you never see it unless it's that you know that story of the moment. 
So as you point out, yeah, it probably would have been a nice buildup to see the background of already actually struggling, of having this realization for some kids that, oh, hey, um, Artie can't go to, you know, our, our performances. Also, you know, we as viewers have seen how difficult it is for him. Wouldn't it be nice to now have your, your uh, cast or your, his, his, uh, his friends also coming to that realization? But it just all feels performative. Same with the three hours in a wheelchair. Um, I think there had been much more, there would have been better ways of teaching able-bodied kids how difficult it is to have a disability than just sit in a wheelchair, which is not something that is normal for you, but then in three hours you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I when can't imagine that he's the him. only one too. Yeah. I can't, ima- I can't imagine Artie's like the only kid in the school who has something that sets him or her apart from the rest of the class. Yeah. My 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 brother has a learning disability which is is not on the same level as um, what Artie was dealing with. But when I was uh, 13 and they were trying to teach me what it was like for my brother so that I had an understanding of what it was like for him, they didn't sit, you know, they didn't um, go, you know, pretend like you can't process things auditorially and pretend like, you know, you can't read. It was literally, they, they, took into account my my abilities and then engineered a situation that was frustrating to me because I could not rely on my auditory processing skills and I could not rely on my reading comprehension, which is a fundamentally part of what my brother deals with. And so that that was how they sort of engineered a, this is how difficult it is for your brother all the time. Mm. And this is what it is for him going through the world. And so they didn't just be like, oh, sit and pretend like you can't do this, but like we will put you in a situation that you have, that you can't, you have to deal with stuff the way he has to deal with it. And so I sort of feel like that's how you would deal with teaching able-bodied kids this. Um, Again, I don't know what that would, you know, what that would actually demonstrably look like, but what they did was not it. Well, it's also a question of it, this never comes up again, as far as I can remember, right? The he doesn't it, or isn't it, is there another episode where his, it's a it's a struggle that that's an issue? It's not for Artie, but I think Quinn goes through some things when she's in that like plot line where she's in a wheelchair, right? Because um, they uh, have the whole thing where they can't go to the amusement park, right? Which I think leads to some you know bonding between them that happens for exactly the duration she's in a wheelchair and then yeah. never again never again yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, but no i don't think they touch on it again for like multiple seasons because like you know a couple of wheelchair ramps uh and everything's fine which i i am not as up to uh date on um ada rules but can a school just not have an ada van I mean, New York City has subway stations that aren't ADA compliant all over the fucking place. So who knows? Okay. Like, I, I realize there's the law and then there's like, nobody actually does that because and, right. and a lot of a lot of um, people are, are disenfranchised because of that. So I, I do understand that. But I spent part of this going, that can't be legal. 
What? I mean, there's a lot on the show that can't be legal. I mean, fair enough. Definitely. Although it does open up questions of like, what else is wrong in the school for Artie? Like, are the are the bathroom doors wide enough for his chair? Can he? What does he do for, uh, like PE credit? Is he given? What does that look like for him? Or, or do they just like say, do what you can and shut up about it? Well, it's also frustrating um, that Shu only considers doing something for Artie that is a very short-term temporary thing that directly benefits Shu by like being for the group in like air quotes as like a solidarity thing. And he clearly has not actually looked at this student of his in this club he supposedly cares a lot about and thought, what can I do to help him? Yeah, this only just occurred to him, <laughs> like, that day that there was no van. Or the-, the ramp, choir ramps don't, I mean, the choir risers don't have ramps. Yeah, that that happens every single day, apparently, and he's never once thought, you know, man, this auditorium that we use for Glee doesn't have any ramps. But as soon as sectionals comes along, and they need a van. Oh shit, our extra voice can't make it. Now and I cannot resist. And it's frustrating because it yeah, wouldn't like... have it wouldn't have changed the point of the episode if she had been like, hey, just noticed Artie doesn't have ramps for his wheelchair. Let's raise money for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be for a single purpose van. Yeah. And and I think as shitty as it would be to say, hey, you as a teacher just now realized your uh, one of your students has severe disadvantage to everybody else and you're just now coming around to it, at least then that could be like a learning for for him and for us and for everybody, that you could use it like that. But now... I mean, what I did like is that Artie is the one in the end who can who who chooses to see the bigger picture for the use of the money in the for the ramps and not the van. He had every right mm-hmm. to take that money and say, yep, I'm writing, we're all writing in this van together because fuck you guys, but chose to do the the greater good moment instead of uh, a one-time use, which yeah, is a level I of maturity we don't often see. Yeah, really. Especially not in the adults. No. Mm-mm. I also liked, it was only barely touched on, really, and it doesn't come up again, but I really like the idea of these open auditions for the Cheerios. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> like yeah, more, more, all of a sudden, more, more cheerleaders. Like let's let's talk about what an inclusive cheerleading team actually looks like. Yeah. Although, then, <laughs> why did the Glee Club audition for the Cheerios? Like, why were most of the auditions the Glee Club? What was that? That what? They're not going to go join the Cheerios. Were they the only actors on the lot that day? <laughs> I think so. I yeah. I, I do think so. Like Amber, Chris, and Corey, they're already in makeup, so just put them out there. Yeah, just send them out. I, I had actually written in my notes, question mark, question mark, Puck. Like, oh, he is fairly <laughs> pivotal to the, I don't know, B plot, C plot, maybe, uh, of the episode, but, but uh, also yeah. Puck. Um, so, I can along can... with that, we could talk mm-hmm. about, we decision to take the money that was supposed to be to help Artie and give it to Quinn. Quinn's constant yelling at Finn to get a job. Um, thoughts yeah, on that? No, I, I was just wondering how much we want to go into like Puck and the fact that the entire premise of the episode is him doing illegal things. Yeah. 
you know, I guess we can, uh, you know, we did say that we'll talk about the character when we need to talk about the character. I get the feeling, and I hate to say this, and it hurts my nerd soul, and whether he did it on purpose or not, I, I can't speak to. But I feel like the character of Puck, um, Ryan Murphy, was trying to craft Han Solo, which is a character that is not a, he's rough around the edges, he doesn't play by the rules, technically kind of an, an ambiguous um, anti-hero kind of character, um, but has a heart of gold, and at the end of the day, you know, he's going to do the right thing. And I feel like that that's sort of what they wanted for Puck, that bad boy with a heart of, you know, heart of gold still, still has his heart in the right spot, even if he has some missteps along the way. Um, obviously, there is a big-ass space between Han Solo and Puck. Like, big enough you can fly like a, like a couple Millennium Falcons through that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they ever actually hit that mark with the character. I don't know if my, my feeling that way is based on looking back with what I know of the character, of where it goes, and also with the, the actor. I just, I never felt a, never really felt a big, a big connection or, or like to Puck, or felt that he hit actually likable bad boy, just annoying. Occasionally does something that's not annoying. I mean, I think he did in the first season hit likable bad boy um, a few times, but the problem is the show didn't end after one season. <laughs> so, uh, I I think his storyline through like wanting to be a parent like was reasonable for an irresponsible teenager like narrative. Yeah. But yeah after that, like along with every like parallel to everything else on the show going off the rails, that characterization was kind of just like shrugged, tossed out a window. I mean, he's definitely <laughs> doing what a 16 year old would potentially try and do in a situation that they are so far in over their heads. Yeah. I mean, it, and it is, that is one of those, it's a TV show kind of moments where there's a pile of money available. Why isn't he going to steal it? That's what he does, but he's doing it for what he thinks is the right reason. I just didn't, I'm back to like, I don't care about this triangle at all. Yeah. And Quinn is really fucking annoying where she's demanding that Finn get a job and pay for this when she's not getting a job to pay for anything. And it's not even his kid and she knows it. Yeah. I can understand maybe why she doesn't get a job um, being pregnant because you can work when you're pregnant. You can. But it can be difficult to get a job when you're pregnant, let alone pregnant at 16 in Ohio. Fair enough. She needs to but get that work from home money. I mean, at least yell at him. Don't yell at Finn. Yeah. It's it's another one of, like, it's time to fucking tell Finn. Yeah. Just like the Terry shoe thing goes on for way too long. Like, it's just time to end this shit. Because at this point, Puck doesn't really deserve to be lied to like this. You mean Finn? Well... Yeah, but I guess Puck not being lied to, but he doesn't need to get fucked over like this, yeah. where yeah, he knows I mean, it's being manipulated. Kid. Yeah, like, yeah, not lied to, but yeah, manipulated. And it's boring. Yeah, it's boring. But all the stuff in this episode, like talking about doctor's bills, is boring. And I just don't care. 
Especially when there's so, you know, it, there's other things that are so much more interesting happening. What I think is was really is really funny is that one of our big criticisms for Glee is that they move quickly through storylines and like they don't actually. It's like we just moved on from this and we just did this super quickly. But then for something like a love triangle, it goes on for fucking ever. So yeah. it's it's sort of like the spend more time on you don't and the things that you take for like ever to deal with you just you don't need to and I don't know why you bother so it's like they put they put the wrong emphasis on things yeah and it's not even just that it's going on forever it's and it's not just a love triangle there's this pregnancy and the lying and the manipulation and a, a whole bevy of things that just don't they don't connect and they don't add up and they're frustrating and annoying to be honest it's not even a love triangle it's a love quadrangle because you have rachel finn quinn puck yeah and and a little bit of rachel puck for like half of an episode which yeah it is it is very much uh mirrors uh uh, emma you know ken emma will terry and it all only you know Different things, different reasons, but yeah, it's it's pretty. Maybe that I think it's I think it's boring for a number of reasons, but maybe it's because their their attempt at parallels are just repeating itself, and it's not like parallels; they're just obvious. So it feels like we're getting the same storyline twice. Oh yeah, it's absolutely the same storyline twice. Not even a good one. I did, I did like and wanted more of the Rachel Mercedes Kurt fighting over defying gravity because there is there is something about tying back into that Cheerios should have auditions where yes Shu should have some fucking auditions in his own glee club it shouldn't always go what? to Rachel it shouldn't what? always go to Finn why isn't he holding auditions these are talented surprisingly talented kids who can do a range How of things I'm sorry I'm sorry. Because he's got to take Rachel's feelings into consideration. Like <laughs> you're, you're ruining my life. Yeah, and like the the way she talks back to him is like hilariously out of touch with what would happen in an actual school. I know. <laughs> really like, she's just completely telling him off for like giving Kurt a chance, even though yeah. they both know Kurt's not getting the role. Like even if he hadn't thrown the note, Kurt wasn't getting that. No. Yeah. <laughs> so. I say taking that, taking that, and running with it. Can we, can we talk about Kurt doing his, his, his part of Defying Gravity? Because that storyline was was lovely, but also apparently did come directly from Chris's own life. I'm not saying Glee's not a documentary. I'm just pointing out a thing that's true. So that I find hilarious. But also, I, I do, I do like. The storyline of his dad going, his dad who's a mechanic and has absolutely no understanding of of the things that his son is going through or likes, but he's just like, I'm going to stand up for him. I think that's a great thing for kids to see. I I, I don't about Kurt throwing it. I, I felt complicated when I saw it the first time and I still feel complicated about it. I think you're supposed to feel confused and conflicted about what he does. like. It's one of the few times, I, I think it's one of the few times where Glee actually, like, does something that makes you think about it more than just in the moment. You're like, God, 
he threw that note for his dad. He shouldn't have done that. Well, he should have. Maybe he could have done it. Like, you actually sit and ruminate on it instead of just going, uh-huh, and then what? Which is a, a miracle yeah, on this show funny. sometimes. Yeah, so, so much so that I wonder I, if that I, was accidental. Like, did they was. really did they really mean for that to be emotionally poignant? Because that's yeah. not very in character for this show. That doesn't seem right. I feel like they meant for it to make a difference statement instead it made this this nuanced statement and they were like well, we, we're, we weren't doing that that's not what we wanted just you know it's it's good <laughs> it's you know you've got Bert going for the throat and Shu sitting there only agreeing with the auditions because he got called into the principal's office literally and then and then it doesn't go their way anyway it's it doesn't work out and it's you know impactful and meaningful and it's a nice family relationship and there's a there's a level i think kurt shows a similar level of maturity about it and um foresight the way Artie does about the money for the wheelchair ramps where they're they're both putting relationships and two different kinds of family first over something that gives them an immediate pleasure and Yes, I agree with that. And I would also go, I would also add on to that being the, uh, again, don't know if they meant for it, but the, um, the adultification of, of uh, kids that, are ha- that have to deal with, uh, that are gay and have to deal with being bullied, who have disabilities, disabilities and have to be bullied. It's like you're, you're requiring them to be more adult, to make more adult choices than you are of Rachel. And yeah. that's not fair. Why, why, why do we do that? And yes, it is, it is very poignant to see him, um, see them both make those choices. But, and I do think those are, are feelings that they don't show didn't mean to give you, but you have anyway. And, um, or maybe, or maybe they did actually mean for it. And, and they left out and hit it this time. Um, I'll, I'll give them that. But uh, it, it, do, it does, say quite quite a lot what both of them have to deal with on yeah. even just like a minimum because i've yeah kudos kudos we don't say that often but yeah. get one well done. you get one yeah. one get one treasure it this is we've your one this one, season we've added one to your tally board versus it is going off the board mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that number is going off the board but you do have one mm-hmm um i guess then on on the the other side uh is the what i still think stupid and awkward tina stutter storyline wow i I forgot that happened that quickly especially when it's put up against Artie and his wheelchair and like his car accident and all of that where we suddenly realize or we we're revealed that um tina's been faking it because she's shy and there's just something very off-putting maybe for me off-putting about putting them against each other even though we're kind of in Artie's perspective of like what the fuck is wrong with you but what that means is it's kind of it's not even played for laughs it's just played for for Tina to look like an idiot where now we don't even get a moment of Tina realizing that she's gone too far and what that means for her and what it means to be painfully shy or socially awkward or have anxiety or have social phobias and fears it's just look at this weirdo 
uh, faking a stutter to get out of speaking in class. Yeah, it it was almost the first moment of like real characterization Tina's had besides her aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And it didn't I, I remember during the first season watching it, just like instantly disliking her. And it took a while for me to warm up to Tina again. Yeah. Only to lose it again with the Blaine storyline. But anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I did remember instantly being like, all right, I thought she was gonna be a cool character, but suddenly I just don't care. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky to have season two be the first introduction to Tina when she was going through her mod phase and it was kind of cute. And um, so, and I, I don't remember there being anything in season two that made me dislike her. And then I went back to season one and I was like, okay, that's strange. But I had yeah. already decided I liked her. So that was helpful. I wonder if her stutter was something that they had tended to do more with somehow and just realized quickly that it was stupid and kind of embarrassing and a weird thing to do because a ton of people have stutters and lists and speech impediments and it's, it's not terrible, but it is, it's awkward when you've got that. And yeah, you know, there could have been a whole other storyline of someone struggling with a speech impediment and what that means to perform on stage and how, when you sing for a lot of people, it, it erases your speech impediment when you sing and that could have been its own um storyline about privilege non-privilege things like that and i think i don't know if it bumped up against um already storyline and they're like oh we can't have two or if it was always meant to be uh a lie on her part and like what like what was the point of this anyway and it just feels like they decided like oh well shit we gotta just get rid of this and the way they did it was in an episode about someone who had been hurt in an accident. Like, all right, cool. And this is coming from somebody who I, lisps a little bit. So chill, Tina. I took, I, I always assumed they were planning on getting rid of it. I, it never crossed my mind that it was a, hey, let's do this. Oh, wait, no, we can't do this. Never mind. Um, I just never know so this it, fucking show. Fair. I mean, but I mean, I think that's an interesting, an interesting angle to think about. Um, I just never, yeah, never, never thought of that. Well, never mind. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, never mind. Forget that. Well, no, I just, I think it's a interesting angle to to think about if, um, hey, was Tina always going to let's let's look forward, you know, a couple seasons. Let's pretend that we can actually do that right now and not and not contain ourselves to season one. Um, how would that have affected her characterization later? Would that have affected her characterization? Would there have been differences? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it might have given her one because I feel like Tina is one of the characters who really gets nothing. When you look at like the long arc of the series, Tina doesn't get a whole lot. She has a relationship with Mike Chang, but a romantic relationship does not a character make. And uh, she falls and bumps her head in a uh, a fountain and leads to one of the weirder episodes. And she sings backup sometimes. Yeah, falls like, for you a don't, guy. And she, oh my god, yeah. try not to think about that episode because it's disturbing. Yeah. But again, like none of these make a character. She for someone who's on the show the entire time. She gets very little in the way of actual substantial character development. And that kind of sucks because she has a great voice. And it would have been nice to have another female, non-white uh, lead in the, in the show. 
especially one with a fantastic singing voice yeah. when you got to hear it. With those those two times. Yeah. Yeah. Those those couple of times. But at least Jenna Ushkowitz got on Broadway. Um, I think another yeah. low point for me in this episode, but it's only given hindsight, is the introduction of Becky Johnson, Jackson, whatever the fuck her name is. Because I hate Jackson. her with a burning passion. You hate she's, Becky? What? She's a horrendous character, especially later on down the road. She's mean and spiteful and just is there to spout mean things to the glee club. And there's no point to her whatsoever. And I hate her. I mean, that's very true. Yes, like, as specifically in this episode, she led, she was a means to an end. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, like, in this episode, she wasn't a horrible character, but I do agree with retrospect. There. Yeah, it's only, it's only in yeah. hindsight. Like, based on this episode alone, you're like, oh, cool. Interesting. And then it leads to Sue's backstory, which is also interesting, although I have other questions about that. But it, in with hindsight, I Becky showed up and I was like, no, god damn it. That's okay, right. So here's why I like her, and you can you can tell me why I'm wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> um I feel so many characterizations of people with disabilities are almost a lubrificant of them. And they're they're like they're trying so hard, and we should all just be nice to them, and and you know, and it makes them not really characters or people. It just kind of makes them like a a, a cut a cookie cutter cutout. And what I like about Becky is that yeah, she has you know a disability, but she's kind of an asshole, and. I like that. I like that she's a bitchy, annoying, but it's sort of like, yeah, so she's got a disability. We're still going to make her character an asshole. That's not, that's not a, um, it's not a hindrance. Whereas in some, in some other shows, it's almost like you don't, you wouldn't do that. And, um, I mean, we do see that again with, um, the girl, uh, oh God, I can't remember the actress's name. And isn't and talking to Artie. She's also kind of a bitch. And so it's sort of like, you know, all people are multifaceted no matter what they may have or do or not do. I mean, I, I, like I will, that. I'll agree that it's always good to have uh, characters who you don't expect or non cookie cutter characters, except Becky doesn't do anything else. She has no other characterization. Especially like going down the line, she very quickly just evolves into a mouthpiece for ridiculous dialogue, but really nothing else until the um, the episode with the gun, which is a whole yeah, other. Yeah, I will. I will agree. The show doesn't need another bitch. Most of the oh, no. women on most of the women on this show are some degree of bitch. Was a whole other problem, especially when Santana starts to devolve into what she becomes. Like I do. I totally. I totally agree that they don't flesh her character out i mean i would say they don't do that with anybody else so it's not like it's a becky particular problem and yeah so i mean i I totally hear and agree with your your um issues i'm sorry i had a cider and apparently that's killing my my words tonight but um I, i agree with your issues with it but i do still think at the end of the day i like being able to see her being a little bit her being different than i would have expected 
that's kind of the thing with like any um character like archetype on glee like i would love to have seen gay characters that weren't total assholes ultimately i mean i would have loved to have seen like trans characters that were shown in like more than one dimensional ways which again glee like some episodes got it right and some episodes got it horribly wrong like they just couldn't maintain consistency with anything and ended up being just as damaging as like positive in terms of representation. Yeah. They just can't, they can't pull back and they can't like stop. They just have to push it to the breaking point of characters. We're like, God, fuck this person. And not in a, yeah. well, people change situations, make them act differently. Stressors make them respond in certain ways. That's just, pushing a character to an unreasonable and stupid point because glee because and i guess you know the sue's backstory i i I guess my maybe this ties into yours about you know the unexpected but it's like does sue need to be humanized with her sister does she need the um the softer side moment like Sue Sylvester, the softer side. Like, I does she need that, or was this? I'll see the softer side, <laughs> Sue. <laughs> I was gonna say. I mean, I don't think she. <laughs> um, I don't think she needed it, but I think if they were gonna give it to her, then they probably should have like maintained it a bit better. Yeah, that too. I will because they didn't she, really. I will argue she needed it. Um, I, I'm surprised they put it in here. But my my reasoning for why she needed it is I don't think Sue as the one-sided dictatorial cheer coach is maintainable through multiple seasons. So she needed more dimensions to be able to continue her character. I'm not used to Glee going, cool, we need to give her more like sides so let's give her let's give her something else let's give her a bit more so that she's more than just a caricature that's abnormal for them i'm, I'm actually surprised they did that I, I almost feel like it was sort of accidental and they fell into it and not what they meant to do but i i will argue that whether this was how they should have done it i don't know i agree they should have hey if you're going to do it you should have kept it up if nothing else yeah um but i do think she needed something else to be able to make her a person. There is just something very cliched about the 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 mean the mean old lady has actually got a heart of gold when it comes to one particular person. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, I, I, I think I, I, yeah. I think her other dimension could have been something else, and it could have worked. It could be that she's secretly nice to like a few people. It could have been like she enjoys horticulture. And likes plants. (laughs) She grows a mean set of roses. I mean, yeah, it could have been anything. I I don't, I'm not necessarily arguing that this was the best thing for her so much as I think she did need some humanization of some kind to be, to be maintained as a a character and not a caricature. I don't know. Cause I'm just also like some, can't people just be mean sometimes? Yeah. I guess it's just a question of like the way women are portrayed in media where they can't it's like the um the uptight bitch um trope where eventually they'll get broken down and you'll you'll find out they're really a nice person. 
Like, well, maybe she's just she's just Sue Sylvester. Your your point too, maybe they're they're broken down is more is more accurate than than actually they're really nice. No, they're just broken. They're just yeah, broken. Just destroyed by the plot lines. You just break them, and and they're nice on the inside because they're just too tired. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, so I I I don't know that there's in, an answer to it. It's up on as I say, in my reading up on this episode, there were quite a few um, critics who also felt that Sue did not need or require this, and that they did not. They they had hoped they hoped that the next episodes would be a return to her being, you know, the badass, you know, take no names, hard ass that she is. And um, it's like I understand because I like I like her kind of ridiculously like that. But I, I do also disagree with them that um, Glee, Glee is very much on. It's like it's either zero or eleven. It doesn't really play in the middle ground as we have talked about. But to be sustainable, you can't sustain something at zero and eleven. So I think they had to start dialing things in a bit. And um, the fact that they did that with Sue before anything else is surprising to me, and makes me just go, yeah, that was accidental. That was not on purpose. They weren't trying to be multifaceted here. They just put something else into a a storyline about people with disabilities. But it worked, I guess. Question I think mark. I would have liked if there was a softening of Sue for it to come from a long, um, a long road of begrudging respect for one of the Glee Club members, whoever that might be. Oh, yeah, I was just going to agree. I think that would have been something that a well-written show would have done, along with seeing things like Artie's, you know, struggles. Like, to to build something into the plot so that we humanize her in a way that feels long-lasting and not like a one-off episode. Because I know that Sue's sister does come back for... Is she in one more episode? Yeah, I think it's um, The Funeral. Okay, so that's she the only other one she's in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that that feels very much like a cop-out to me. It's like they wanted to give Sue something, but didn't want to be, like, beholden to it at all. Yeah. Oh, no, totally I, agree. I think Funeral is, like, the end of the second season. So there's almost there's more than a season's length between uh, appearances. And I, I enjoy in fic how it's often portrayed that she has like a soft spot for uh for kurt Probably just because jane lynch has a soft spot for chris colfer and i mean yeah it's fair i mean i think there i think her character did have some sympathetic moments but i agree with the 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 point that maybe would have been you know better to see her have a an a slower build to a soft spot for some some character that you weren't expecting. Like maybe you were expecting it for like Quinn or Santana, but maybe not like Artie or Mercedes or Tina or fuck Finn. I mean, fully getting there would be would have been um I think better for the character along with her love of horticulture and uh, you know, growing growing a, a mean set of roses. I think that would have done her character better. I've watched that episode. Yeah, yeah, that, that would have been pleasant. Because then she could have she could have worked that into his corner, maybe like how to how to prune your uh, your shrubbery and the shape of a uh, I don't know shape of a middle finger or something. 
that would be very Sue-like, I feel. I would still watch it. Still watch it. All right. So um, we had, so we briefly talked on the uh, the solos, the bra- uh, defying gravity. I was say breaking gravity. Something happens with me. I don't know what it is. Um, with Artie, with Tina, with the stupid you know, love triangle, quadrangle. Sue. Oh, the thing we haven't really talked about is um, it, Proud Mary. Is that inappropriate? Is that insensitive that they're all doing this big number in wheelchairs? Or yes. is it cool that they managed to get that cast to do that choreography and not kill themselves? Yes. <laughs> Both. I, I don't think I, I would also say that. Yeah. I was gonna say I, I don't think I don't think that's an either or answer. I think it's that is incredibly uh, on a on a storyline like in story. It's like that's incredibly uh, pro, not a not appropriate. Shift. I don't know the right. I don't. I don't know what you use, but like no, it's, you don't don't do that. But also. And the fact that you did do that is kind of cool. Um, I think it was, was Zach did the choreography for that. It's uh, sure. Why not? To, to choreograph a, a, you know, a dance scene like that. So, and the fact that you, he choreographed it and they pulled it off. Kudos. You were, you still probably should not have done that. Uh, Wikipedia says that that number was described by Zach Woodley as the scariest number to produce. I was right. Yep. I could see that. I could see I could also watch and going, oh my god, there's this is before the the insurance for these for these actors was, you know, expensive. So you know they could do that. Uh, you crash into each other not that, that expensive. It's Imagining fine. like crushed fingers. Ugh. Oh. Oh no. Probably. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, just at the very end of this episode, all of a sudden they're all in wheelchairs and suspenders. <laughs> what is happening? I feel like and is this like, before, it's like is this before the ramps? Like, did they all to carry the? I don't know. <laughs> Again, it's it's performative. Um, we're with Artie. We're not gonna we're not gonna say that we actually built him ramps or not, but you know we're just gonna dress like him and all sit in wheelchairs. They should have all Therefore, had their hair swooped. <laughs> Everyone gets the Artie oh, haircut. Uh, right, did you so, have a favorite song? Um, yeah, I do. Um, Chris singing Defying Gravity. Mm. I'm, I'm actually going to say my favorite is Artie's solo. I just I just liked Artie's singing. I'm going to have to go with uh, Chris doing Defying Gravity. Although I think, I am. you know, I, I have like the, the full version of him doing it, so I don't have to hear Leah singing it. Yeah, so. I, I guess maybe that's why watching the episode, I didn't immediately go, oh, Chris, you know, th- this is my favorite song because I like, listening to him in the show throw that note just like mm-hmm. hurts me it's it's not good i can understand that it is it is it hurts and it's sad because you're just like damn it i know you can do it and and it does i i at least we all got our vindication um like four years later yeah yeah i was thinking later. about yeah, when they about... when they bring this back in that hundredth episode where they've got a version where it's all three of them singing Mm-hmm. Nice to get uh, to get Amber on the track too. Did you guys have like a favorite line by chance? I I did not have one. That's- yeah, I didn't. I didn't note any lines down. Um, I did because it's Bert saying guys wearing dress shoes with no socks. <laughs> okay, that's a good. One. <laughs> and I Fair just enough. I just put a dot 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 after it. 
and left it at that. Amy who must not be named yet. That's that's Fair about enough. it. <laughs> They're already calling him into existence. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I said we went we went through Artie's storyline and Tina's fake storyline and the quadriline that we don't care about and and Shu that we still don't care about and Sue who we do care about. Um, that we don't understand why she's doing the thing she's doing now, and uh, went into what this episode and and what they did right, even if it was accidental, and what we liked about it. See, we can be positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many Arties do we get? How out of five? What three? Three. I, th- I think a solid three. Three out of five Arties or Kevin's? Three. Sorry, Kevin's. Kevin's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Three Kevin for this episode. Because, yay, Kevin, you got you got a solo. Yeah. It's, a, it's a podcast high. That we won't reach again for another season. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Nope. All right. Well, on a, on a high note and a high rating. And a high and, F. And a high, high F. I think we could say... Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, that's what you missed on Glee. New Year's resolutions are hard, but starting 2020 with the best entertainment during the Xfinity New Year New Gig Sale is easy. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Click, call, or visit us today. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. At Farmers Insurance, we know that a bundle of joy can sound like many different things. But to us, a bundle of joy sounds a little more like this. Because we know when you bundle your home and auto insurance with Farmers, you could save an average of 20%. Really? My bundle of joy just makes a lot of drool. Oh, the joys of parenthood. Visit Farmers.com or call 1-800-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Reported 2018 nationwide average savings underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.